Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've been going through the seven. What are the seven? The seven are the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. They're not prophetic messages, although today there is something prophetic in one of the verses. We'll just touch on that a little bit today. But what we're talking about is letters that were written to the situation that the churches were facing at the time, that basically we are still facing today. And they have relevance to us. And so we've seen, as we've gone through the letters, how they've talked about different things that we're facing and about different things that we need to address. The same is going to be true for a church that we have today. It's one of two letters of the seven where Jesus doesn't find that they're doing anything wrong. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you like that to be true of your life, that Jesus looks at your life and doesn't find anything wrong, that you're not doing anything wrong? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, he's got a church here that's not facing any problems. And so he's going to tell them some things to encourage them as far as what they're facing. He's going to talk to them about the fact that he's put an open door in front of them, a door of opportunity. So we're going to look at that issue today because here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how your week has been. I know how my week has been. But sometimes... When you're going through it and when you're facing tough times and you're facing difficulty and it just seems like it doesn't let up. You ever been through a period like that where it's just one problem after another another, and it just doesn't let up? Do you understand? It's like, when is this going to end? What else could go wrong? And, And you tell your friends, when it rains, it pours and it's a downpour. It's a hurricane in my life right now. You just kind of wonder, can you go on? Can you make it? And, you know, and really, I'm trying to get through what I'm getting through, and you're talking about Jesus opening a door for me. I don't know that I can even think about that. I'm trying to get through what I'm getting through right now. Well, that's what we're talking about in this letter. We're going to talk about a church who's going through it. But yet Jesus says he's put before them an open door. What does that mean? Well, we're going to look at today. What does that mean for you and I in our lives? Because even though, listen to me, even though you might be going through it, and I know that some of you are. What? I didn't tell anybody I was going through it. No, no. The reality is, is when you've got this many people, knowing the world we live in, there's folks here who are going through it. And you're going through it, and you're like, I can't even think about doing something for God. I'm just trying to get through what I'm getting through. I can't even focus on that. Well, this is what this message is about today. This is what this letter is about today, to get you back in focus to what God has for you. So let's look at it together. We're in chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 7 through 13 and allow God's Spirit to speak to us this morning concerning our walk with Him. Let's look. He says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, Right. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he opens and no one shuts, he shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. 
Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him a name of my God and a name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here we are. We have another letter. And again, it's going to follow that same format. We're going to break this letter up into four parts. We're going to see, first of all, it's him. He's going to identify himself. And as always, when he identifies himself, it's always relevant to what he's addressing in the letter. So we're going to look here and see what Jesus says about himself. And it's going to be relevant to where you are at when you think about the stuff that you're going through and the possibility that God wants you to do something more. We're going to see what he says here about himself, and then what we're going to do is we're going to see what he knows. We're going to see what he knows about this church, what he knows about you and I. And then he's going to say in the third section, what must happen? What's going to happen? What has to happen in your life? What has to happen? And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with the promise. What is the promise that he gives us if we could do what he's saying, if we hang in there, if we overcome, if we persevere? So let's look together. First of all, verse 7. It's him. Look at what he says here. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. What we see here, two things. Number one, he identifies himself as the holy one, the one who is holy and is true. This is a title of his divinity. So what I want you to see is this, is that as the holy one, Jesus has divine power. As the Holy One, Jesus has divine power. So I want you to sit for a moment. I want you to think with me as you think about what you're going through, as you think about the struggles that are happening and the relentlessness of the problems. You just think you got through one problem and another problem is happening. And and you're just kind of timid. You're just kind of nervous. You hear this thought of the fact that Jesus is saying, I'm going to set before you an open door. I'm going to set before you an opportunity to serve me. And you're just like, I'm just trying to get through life, Jesus. He starts off by saying, look, I want to remind you who I am. I am holy and I am true. That's that's a reflection of who he is, the holy one. What is it about the holy one? He's God. The one you serve is God and he has divine power. Jesus is powerful, all-powerful. Do you not think the guy who could make the lame walk, who could make the blind see, who could raise the dead, cannot take care of your problem and your difficulty or not give you the strength to see you through it? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is who's talking to you. He's saying to you, I'm the Holy One. I have divine power. Here's the other thing he says. He has the key of David. Now, what in the world is he talking about there? Well... When you talk about somebody having the key, you're talking about somebody who has authority. Authority. What do you mean? Well, have you ever noticed that when a special dignitary comes to town 
or goes to any town, they always have a special ceremony where they give him the key to the city. You ever seen that? What is it? When you give somebody the key to the city, you're saying you have authority in this place. And so Jesus is saying, I have the key of David. What's he talking about? I have the authority of the Messiah. So here's the point. As the Messiah, Jesus has absolute authority. He just doesn't have the power as God. He has as the Messiah, the son of David. He has the key of David. And when he opens something, nobody shuts it. And when he shuts something, nobody opens it. That's absolute power, isn't it? That's absolute power. That's absolute authority. People can pretend to have authority. People can pretend to be in charge. But Jesus is the one who's in charge. So this is he. He's saying, listen to me. I know the stuff you're going through. But I want you to think for a moment, before we talk about that, I want you to think about who I am, Jesus is saying. I am the Holy One. I am the Messiah. I have power. I have authority. And sometimes you need to rest in that. Sometimes you need to trust me, Jesus is saying. Trust me. So here's what he sees. Notice what he sees, what he knows. I think it's interesting. Every letter he starts off this way. I know your works. Listen to me, just real quick. There is nothing that Jesus doesn't know about your life and your situation. Nothing. There's nothing that he doesn't know about a church. He knows everything about the church. There's nothing that he doesn't know about your life. He knows everything about your life. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what your fears are. He knows what brings joy to your life. He knows where your focus is. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about this church. Let's notice the two things he says about this church. Notice with me. First of all, Jesus has set before them a door of opportunity that cannot be closed. This is what he says to this church. Look, first of all, I've set a door before you, an open door before you that no one can shut. That's the thing he says to them. Look, there is a door of opportunity out there beyond you that you need to realize, and I'm the one who gave it to you. I'm the one who gave it to you. All right, let's stop for a moment. You say, hey, George, wait a minute now. Okay, he's talking about the church there. How's that relate to me? Here's the thing. What he's talking about, a door of opportunity, he's talking about a door of opportunity to serve him. And before every church, he gives a door of opportunity. So like you think about our church, our little church here in Kerwinsville, in Clearfield County. He set a door of opportunity outside that he has opened. No one can shut it. You've got to grasp that. You think about your life, where you live. And you think, oh, George, come on, seriously. Where I live, what I do, who's, what, what's the matter? What, you know, this, this, I'm insignificant. No, you're not. Do you know Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? He has... No matter where you're at, no matter what your physical condition, no matter what your, what your, your economic situation is, he has set before you a door of opportunity. You say, now what is it? I don't know what it is, but he set it before you. You maybe need to ask him. It's an opportunity with the people who are around you, with the family that's around you, with the neighbors that are around you, the community that's around you. He set before you an opportunity. No one can close it. Jesus has said it before you. He knows your situation. 
You say, well, that's wonderful, George, but I'm going through struggles and hardship. I can't even think about that. You just need to be aware. Church, as a church, church, you need to be aware. Don't worry about the difficulties and the struggles. He has set before us an open door of opportunity. You need to understand that. He sees that. You may not see that, but he sees it. Here's the second thing he says. He knows their faithfulness in spite of their limitations and their opposition. He knows their faithfulness in spite of their limitations and oppositions. Here's what I want you to see. It took me a long time to come to this conclusion. And this is something that George, you know, as I've been reading this message, doing this series, this has been a series for me as well. Not just for you, it's for me. And one of the things that I have grown to understand is it's really not, God doesn't care less about our achievement. You may want to write that down. God really could not care less about what you do for him, what you achieve. It's about your faithfulness to what he tells you to do. That's really the issue. It's not what you do, what you achieve, and what you, how, how you want to go after and do whatever for God. He couldn't care less about that. He is caring about whether or not you're faithful in, to him no matter what you're facing. Here's a church. He says to them, I know you have little strength. What's he talking about? He knows they have little resources. He knows that they have little ability to do whatever God wants them to do. But here's the thing. They're still faithful. He says, I know that there's a synagogue, a synagogue of Satan. What's going on there? Well, in the early church, primarily most of the people who were in the church were Jewish, and there was probably in their town, their, their city of Philadelphia, a Jewish synagogue there, and they were facing persecution from that. He says, there's a synagogue of Satan there. I know that. I know what you're facing. But you're still, listen to me, faithful. See, that's the key thing. The key thing is this, because here's the thing. When you and I go through the difficulties and the struggle, what we want to do is turn our back on God. God, why aren't you helping me through this? He's saying, even in spite of the difficulties and the struggles you're going through, you are still being faithful to him. See, that's what God's interested in is your faithfulness, not what you're achieving. That's a hard lesson to learn. Because as you get older, you look around and you say, well, I haven't done much. All the dreams, remember when you're younger, and especially if you get out of school, or you, know, you start out life, and you've got all these dreams about what you want to accomplish. You been there? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Nod your head. Yeah, I've been there, George. And then now you're older, and it's like you look back and you say, what a waste of thought process. Nothing's happened. It isn't about what you achieve. It's about your faithfulness through it to him. See, he looks and he says, look, I've set a door of opportunity for you. But you say, I can't even think about doing that door of opportunity. He says, look, but even in spite of your limitations, even in spite of the opposition, you've been faithful. You've been faithful. That's what matters. See, folks, it's not what you achieve. It's what you do as far as your faithfulness to God, being faithful to Him. That's really what matters. He goes on then and says, what do they do? What must happen? 
first thing he does, look with me at verse 10. And this really is a prophetic passage here, but it's a promise. He says this, because you have kept my command to persevere, because you're hanging in there, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who are on the earth. What's he talking about there? Well, it is the book of Revelation. And the hour of trial that he's referring to here is the tribulation. There is coming, my friends, a day when God's wrath will be poured out on this world. God's going to finally say, I've had enough. And there won't be an opportunity anymore, but the world's going to face a judgment. Here's the promise that he gives them. He gives them, you're not going to go through that. So here's what I want you to see. Here's what he's saying they must do. Hang on and look to the promise of future deliverance. You hang on. One day Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's promising them, you're not going to go through this tribulation period that's going to come, this hour of testing. You're not going to go through it. You hang on. You persevere. See, here's the thing. I've set before you an open door. You would think that he would tell us to go through it. No, he's telling you to what? He's commended you to be faithful. He's just telling you to what? Keep being faithful. Keep hanging on. Keep trusting in him. You hang on because why? Future deliverance is coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about your problem being removed because your problem may never be removed. I'm talking about something far better than just your problem disappearing. I'm talking about Jesus coming back for you. Folks, that's far better than just you getting rid of your problem, right? He's telling you to hang on. Hang on in spite of the difficulties. Hang on in spite of the opposition. Hang on. This is what he's telling them to do. You've got to do this. Hang on to what you have until Jesus comes for us. That's the, hold on. In fact, that's the next part. Look with me at verse 11. Look at what he says. Behold, I am coming quickly. This is a promise. He's talking about I'm coming quickly. What does that mean? I'm coming suddenly. He's going to come at some point suddenly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. What's he talking about here? Hold on to what you have in Jesus until he comes. Not only do you hang on, but you hold on. You hold on to what you have. You hold on to your faith. You hold on. And listen, folks, you're going to be tried. There's going to be things that you face, and maybe you're going through it right now where you just want to throw in the towel. It's like, man, how can I go through this? It's like one thing, boom, boom, boom just slapping you after all. You feel like Job in the book of Job. It can't get any worse than what it is. And you're just kind of wondering, should I hang in there? Should I hang in there in your faith in Jesus? You hang on. Because he's coming. And don't let anybody take your crown from you. That's what he's saying here. Hold on to what you have in Jesus until he comes. Until he comes for you or you go to be with him, you hang on. Do you understand what I'm saying? You hang on. This is what he's telling you to do. Let me just stop for a moment. Isn't it interesting? This is what caught my attention because so many times through the years I've heard this passage preached about. Jesus says right off the bat, I have set a door of opportunity before you that no one can close. And then every other message I've heard is about how we need to take that opportunity and run with it. Have you heard a message like that before? I have. But as I was studying the passage, 
And as you read the passage, as you read it right now, I think there's something that's interesting that stands out. Here's what's interesting. He says, I've set before you the door of opportunity, but nowhere in the passage, if you want, look at verses 7 through 13. You can challenge George. I can learn. Nowhere are you going to see where he tells you to take and go through that door to, to achieve. If you notice, you're not going to see that. In fact, what he tells you is, be faithful. Hold on. Hang on. He's talking about you continuing to do what you're doing in obedience to him. Why? Because if you're in obedience to him, you're going to naturally walk through that door anyhow. You don't need to strive after it. You just need to remain faithful to him because he's the one who's going to move you through the door. Do you understand? There's a little bit of a difference because the emphasis isn't on what I do to walk through that door. The emphasis is on what he does to get me through that door and I remain faithful to him. Faithful to him. Do you understand? That's the issue here. The issue is you being faithful to Jesus. So what do you do? You hang on. You hang on to your faith no matter what happens. You hold on because you're looking to him coming back and he's going to move you through that door of opportunity. So even though, listen to me, you may find this hard to believe. The stuff you're going through right now. All right, listen to me. Don't get upset. The stuff you're going through right now that you wish you weren't going through, it's all part of the process to move you through that open door. I didn't want to hear that, George, because I wanted to leave. So do I. But you come to a realization that everything we go through, God allows for a purpose, and part of the purpose is for you to be faithful and for him to do the work in your life. And that door that he has opened in front of you, part of the process of going through that door that no one shuts because he's opened it is that you got to go through the stuff that you got to go through to walk through it. Do you understand? To walk through it. Why do you think, can I be honest with you? Why do you think Jesus says in the end, when you stand before him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why do you say that? Why does he say that? He, he, it's not that you've achieved, it's you've done. It's because you were faithful to him to the end. No matter what life threw at you. And folks, life will throw the kitchen sink at you. You're saying, well, George, I've had the refrigerator. Whatever. He throws the whole kitchen at you. Be faithful. Hang on. Do what you've got to do. Now, here's the promise. How do we hang on, George? Well, you hold on to the promises. Here's, in fact, he gives two main promises. The, third, the second promise here has three parts. Look with me. Verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Stop. That's the first promise. Here's what he says. Those who overcome will have a permanent place with God. Those who overcome will have a permanent place with God. When you think about a pillar in the temple, you think about some marble structure. You ever been around a marble structure? 
Have you ever tried to, you can't just push it over. You can't knock it out of place. You're going to have to go through great effort to try to get rid of it. And so he's saying, you are going to become a pillar in the house of God. What does that mean? It means that you will have permanence with God. You will be with God forever. That's what he's talking about. That's the promise. See, here's the thing. You need to just tough it out through what you're facing. You need to be faithful to him because the promise is is that when you get through this and you go to be with him, you will be with him forever. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Permanence with God motivates you to move on. Here's the second promise. Look with me. It's three parts to the second promise. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. And I will write on him my new name. What's he talking about here? God's going to write on us? Is he going to tattoo all of us? I don't understand how it will happen actually, but I can tell you what it means. Three parts. He's going to write on him the name of our God. He's going to write on on us the name of our New city, the new Jerusalem, and he's going to write on his name on us. What does that mean? Here's the the point. To those who overcome will have a special relationship with God. Those who overcome will have a special relationship with God. Remember, we're going to be a permanent part of the place with God. We're also going to have a special relationship with God. Like, for instance, okay, what are you talking about writing the name on? Well, I think we can all... relate to this. You ever gone to a church potluck dinner? Yep, haven't you? You brought a dish and you just happened to bring it in that fancy pan that you love. Now what do most ladies do when they bring their fancy pan? They mark it somehow. They put their name on it, maybe put a sticker on it that has their name on it. Why? Because they want their fancy pan back. Right? Am I right about that? Because they want their fancy pan back, and when they put their name on it, what does that mean? That pan is mine. Okay? That pan is mine. Now, some of you, you don't put your name on it, and so we're going to get left with a whole big box of, of overdue stuff wondering where it belongs to. Please put your name on it so we know who it is. That's just a side note. Anyhow. God puts his name on us. Why? Because you belong to Him. That's the promise. You have a special relationship with Him. You belong to Him. So what, what's the point of that, George? Listen, you've got to understand. Have you ever noticed that we can get through things when we've got a hope for later on? Like, I I can remember, you know, going through stuff, going through an exam. Oh, if I could just get through this because lunch is coming. Because there's a break coming, right? If I could just get through this day because the the final whistle's coming and I can go home, right? And you just kind of, you kind of bear through it until you get through it, right? This is what he's saying. You have a promise. Even though you're going through it, I've set this door and I'm moving you through this door. I've set this door before you. You're going through difficulty. You have little strength. There's opposition. You hang on. Why? Because this, you'll have a permanent place with me and you belong to me. You have a special relationship. That's the promise. So hang on. Hang on. 
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.